Stand by for adventure. Stand by for mystery. Stand by for the Icebox Radio Theater and Rum Runner Zoo. Winter can be a tough time up in the borderland for those of us in the hospitality business. Local folks are in need of a raised glass now and then, but there just aren't enough of them to make ends meet for a mostly legal businesswoman like myself. So when we do get a little tourist business during the cold and snowy months, we jump at it. Even if it means dressing up in a Victorian maid outfit and feeding hot toddies to a spoiled Minneapolis family while they argue their way toward New Year's about everything under the sun, including the priceless diamond brooch that went missing. Interested? Pull up a stool and I'll tell you about it. It's Rum Runner Sue, starring Billy Joe Cones. Mystery and adventure in the northern wilderness of Prohibition America. We'll be back with tonight's exciting story right after this. Just in time for summer beach reading. Adventure awaits within the pages of Flight of the Byzantine by Jordan Ferrara. In a world destroyed by civil war, two sisters scrounge scrounge a living in the outlands by flying high above their troubles in the stolen military airship Byzantine. Their father, the engineer that designed the great airship, is thought dead as their family is torn apart and their future seems doomed to be brutal and short as they try to survive as a pair of hard scrabble smugglers. But out of the skies comes a ray of hope in the form of their long-lost brother who bears the unbelievable news that their father is alive and waiting for them in a distant land. But first, they must overcome pirates, mobsters, cannibals, and the last remnants of the once-proud Imperial Army to survive and reunite as a family once again. Now available on Kindle from author Jordan Ferrara, Flight of the Byzantine, Book One, Skykovsky Returns, a steampunk adventure series destined to thrill all ages. Search for Flight of the Byzantine on your Kindle today. Adventure in the skies above nowhere awaits you. Flight of the Byzantine by Jordan Ferreira. The year 1927. The place Icebox, Minnesota. A tiny village on Rainy Lake that islands spotted paradise that forms the border between the United States and Canada, between the great social experiment of prohibition and the legal production and distribution of Lady Liquor. Just off Main Street sits a tiny establishment called the Deacon Seat, home and throne room to the queen of these parts, the owner-operator of beauty in checked flannel and dungarees, Susan Conti, or as she's known in these parts, Rum Runner Sue. Oh, if only I could while away the winter hours behind the bar at the Deacon Seat. But as I alluded to earlier, I can't. Winter is hard scrabble time in the Northland, and one cold and brittle December, my girl Friday Mary and I found ourselves a catering job with the wolves. No, not a pack of wild beasts, though I'd forgive you for thinking that. This wolf pack was a family by the name of Wolf. A trio of well-to-doers from Minneapolis who had the bright and expensive idea to spend the holidays in a rustic lakeshore retreat. Only their idea of rustic was a 20-room mansion with central heating and servants on hand. That's how Mary and I found ourselves in the kitchen that New Year's Eve, dressed in period costumes, so the lady of the house could play make-believe. 
What exactly she was making believe, I couldn't tell you. This group was about as far from genteel as a candle is from a Klieg lamp. But there we were, us in our maid outfits, them decked out like Victorian swells arguing about, well, I suppose I should let them tell you that part. Charlotte, behave yourself. I won't, mother. Not until the two of you see reason. Oh, a fine thing. Talking of reason when you're circling the room, smashing the glassware like a two-year-old. Oh, what do you care? This house is a rental. Charlotte, your father worked very hard to find this house for us. He even took an extra trip here to make sure everything was perfect. Oh, leave her to her tantrum for all the good it'll do. We're not going back home until after the holidays, do you understand? You'll just have to live without that boy until then. He's not a boy! He's 23 years old with a good job and prospects! Ugh, he's a bootlegger! You know, Father, I'd be more impressed with your indignation if you weren't holding a glass of scotch! Oh, stop it, both of you! I just wanted a simple country Christmas. With costumes and period menu plans. <laughs> Like we're a dinner theater. Oh, and all the two of you want to do is bicker and fight. Well, I've had it up to here. Charlotte, I'm telling him. Mother, no. Telling me what? It's not the right time. Well, it'll never be the right time if you can't keep a civil tongue in your head, which you clearly cannot. <sighs> Roger, Charlotte's fiancé is on his way here. Mother! Did you just say fiancé? Did I? Oh... Fiddlesticks. Charlotte. Father, your blood pressure. Charlotte, what has he done to you? Daddy, please, just calm down. What has he done to you? Shh! The servants will hear. Can you hear? Most of it. Something about the girl's fella? Honestly, Sue, if I'd have known the lives of rich folk were this interesting, I'd have signed on as a maid years ago. It's not all this interesting, trust me. Well, I would if I knew how you came to that knowledge. What do you mean by that? I mean, you seem to know an awful lot about these rich city folks. And since I'm still not privy to your personal past, it leads a girl to speculate. <laughs> speculate away. I'm not talking. Alrighty then. Here's a speculation. I think it's mighty interesting that you refuse to be in the same room as that woman. What woman? The lady of the house. The one that hired us. You know, Bubbles. Ugh. Ridiculous nickname for a woman her age. And she insists on going by it. I don't know if it's that ridiculous. There used to be a girl at Madame Rose's Joy House who went by Bubbles. Do I want to know why? Nothing bad. Just on account of all the skate. Excuse me? Well, when Bubbles was in high school, she lived upriver from the schoolhouse. In wintertime, she had to skate to school. Two miles each way. You got any idea what that much skating will do to a girl's back porch? Ah. So she was called Bubbles. Yep. She was round as a peach back there. The boys loved her. Huh. Well, I doubt that Bubbles out in the parlor did much skating. Don't avoid the subject. We were talking about why you won't be in the same room as Madame Boulier's out there. And don't worry about that. It's almost as if you already know her or something. Saved by the bell. See to the door, Mary. This isn't over, Sue. I imagine not. Was that the doorbell? Now, Roger, calm down. I won't calm down if... Is that who I think it is? I imagine so. He came in on the six o'clock train. Charlotte. Y'all have a visitor. Mary, I asked you. Oh, right. What's your name, handsome? Um, Michael O'Shea. They all know me. I know, but I gotta announce you. <clears throat> Michael O'Shea, Esquire. Thank you, Mary. Watch the rabbit punches and no blows below the belt. Thank you, Mary. O'Shea, just what the hell do you think you're doing here? 
Sir, I don't wish to impose upon your party. Good. Leave. But I was invited, and I was assured my presence here would be tolerated, if not exactly welcomed, and that we might take this opportunity to work out our differences. There's nothing to work out. You want to marry my daughter, and I won't allow it. And does your daughter have a say in all this? If she knows what's good for her, she doesn't. Everyone, please. Oh, what is it, Bubbles? Oh, wait a moment. Mary? Yes, sir? Is dinner about to be served? I imagine so. Well, please go to the kitchen and help serve it. But I can't hear so good in there. Mary? All right. Rich folks with their fascinating lives. My fault's also interesting. The people in this town. Now that we're all alone again, I have something I need to say. Then I need another drink. O'Shea? You're offering me one? Uh, They're not going to call Roger Wolf a bad host. Here. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, you don't give me that. Charlotte. Some reason I shouldn't have a sip of Michael's drink, Father? Well, you're you're underage. No other reason? You didn't slip a little something extra in here, perchance? Uh, of course not. We'll see. Um, delish. Hmm. Pour me one, Daddy. Charlotte, sit down. If I could have your attention, please, there's something I need to tell you all before we retire for dinner. Go for pity's sake. What is it, Bubbles? Mary, come away from that doorway and leave those poor people in peace. Poor people? Where'd you get that idea? You know what I mean. Obviously, they've got money, but they've also got problems. I know. Isn't it great? Mary. All right, all right. But you and I are going to the picture show next time Charlie Chaplin is playing. He's always putting rich folks in their place. Deal. Help me with these potatoes, then ring for dinner. Table set? Like a pitcher. How do you know what all those forks are for, anyway? In school, they teach you all... Never mind. And the mystery of Susan Conti deepens. What was that about school? Ring for dinner, Mary. Because they didn't teach nothing about salad forks at any school I attended. Ring for dinner, please. You are no fun. Wow, they are really going at it. Who is that? The mother, I think. Hold on. You're the bootlegger, right? Uh, what do you got for booze in the stump? My father's guarding the whiskey. Aren't you a little young? And besides, dinner is ready. Dinner is delayed. The queen has retreated to her tower. Now, what about the hooch supply? Uh, we have whiskey, bourbon, gin, champagne. That's for midnight, of course. Uh, Did I hear gin? That'll do. I don't think you're having anything. How are bootleggers like you two such Girl Scouts? Oh, I'm not a Girl Scout. Oh, yeah? I'm a reformed whore. Oh, thank God! Finally, someone I can talk to! Come on. But I'm supposed to help in the kitchen. You're being promoted to lady-in-waiting. Come help me get out of this ridiculous getup into something I can breathe in. Yes, miss. And bring the gin. Yes, miss. Mary, what are you doing? Didn't you hear? Dinner is delayed and she wants to talk. I'm going to get all the juicy details about this family and report back. But I don't want to know. Fine, then don't listen. Ugh. This one looks cute, miss. Fine, whatever. And you can drop the miss routine? This is 1927, not the Dark Ages. Okay. But what about the dress? I don't care. 
You don't want to look good for your fella? I don't... I'm not... I'm all mixed up. It might help to talk. After all, we're probably never going to see each other after tonight, so there'll be no harm. It's all so stupid. What's stupid about it? You got a fella your folks don't approve of. About half your successful marriages start out that way. Really? Give or take. Look, I'm not going to pretend to understand the problems of folks in your station. Rich, you mean. As you say. But some of these problems are universal. Dirt farmers to Rockefellers. Daughters are always running off with someone the dad don't like. What do you think I should do? Do you love him? Yes. Yes, I do. Enough to make sacrifices for him? Well, that's not what scares me. Question is, will he be willing to make sacrifices for me? You think he might be marrying you for your money? Of course not. I don't, I, I don't think that. It's more like... Uh, You're terrified uh, that's what he's doing? Yeah. Huh. Sue was right about your problems. What? Oh, nothing. Well, he's not worth it if he's just marrying you for your money. I know. Part of me is sure he's not, but another part of me is worried he is. I, I think I want to hedge my bets. Okay. How? I want to make sure we have something to start on. Michael's smart. He wouldn't need much of a nest egg to set up, right? In fact, all he'd need would be... Can you keep a secret? No, but we're not going to see each other after tonight. Right, right. My mother has a brooch given to her by her mother. Cartier many, many diamonds. Very expensive. Ooh. Yeah. She's supposed to pass it on to me on my wedding day. If Michael and I had that brooch, we could tell my parents to go to blazes and elope. That sounds like it would cause a lot of trouble down the line. It's causing trouble right now. Remember when Mother shooed you out of the room? She said she had some big announcement? I remember. Well, the big announcement was she isn't going to give over the brooch. She's keeping it. Even though it's right there in Grandma's will, the eldest daughter is supposed to get it on her wedding day. Oh. Can I ask why they disapprove of your beau? He seems nice enough. Oh, he's a dream. It's just, he works for some bootlegger in St. Paul. And the fact he's Catholic, like that matters. Neither of my parents have seen the inside of a church in my lifetime. What are you going to do now? Well, desperate times call for desperate measures. And I have a couple of ideas. Charlotte? It's her. Hide the chin. That's what petticoats are for. Ooh, that's cold. <laughs> Come in, mother. Charlotte, I want to... Oh, excuse me. I'll see if Sue needs any help in the kitchen. Thank you, yes. Tell her we should be ready to dine in a few minutes. Yes, ma'am. So the stage was set, I suppose you might say. We served the dinner, which was consumed in a thick, noxious silence, and then watched as this happy family retreated to the four corners of the house so they could spend their New Year's Eve ignoring each other. That's when things got kind of heated in the parlor. <laughs> Charlotte, is your father... <gasps> Mr. O'Shea, unhand my daughter at once! Uh, sorry, old girl, we didn't hear you coming. Tell me, Mother, do I have to unhand him? Imposing on us this way, molesting my daughter! It's not molesting if the molestee is a volunteer, Mother. It is when she's underage. I could have you brought up on charges, Mr. O'Shea. Mother! That's it. I've had enough. Where are you going? 
to get my top coat. Fun is fun, Char, but I need some air. But where will you go? Gotta be a speakeasy somewhere in this burg. Ooh, sounds like things have blown up out there. That figures. I say we finish up these dishes and get the heck out of here. I don't want to be around when the shooting starts. Something to that. Only, they strike me more as a strangling crowd. Hmm, doesn't change my plan much. Ridiculous. Hey. Hey, what? There's somewhere a fella can get a drink in this town. The only blind pig in town is closed. Closed on New Year's Eve? What the hell for? The proprietors took another job for the evening. But don't worry, they won't do it again. But there's Madame Rose's Joy House. It's about halfway down the shore. A Joy House? You mean, uh... Yes, but they have a full bar. Just wear a white handkerchief in your breast pocket and the girls won't bother you. Much. Well, it'll be hell to pay if Char finds out, but I'm not staying here. Thank you, ladies. Maybe I should have kept the deacon seat open tonight. Are you kidding? I wouldn't have missed this for the world. What was that? Sounded like the mother. And that was more than an argument scream. Come on, she's in the parlor. Sybil, Sybil, please, calm down for pity's sake. Mother, what's wrong? It's gone! What? My precious diamond brooch is gone. After that man left, I went upstairs to check on it and found my room ransacked. That boy has stolen my brooch! Now, I'm a gal doesn't mind a bit of trouble now and again. Heck, on New Year's Eve, you expect it. But what I didn't expect was to have trouble follow me around infusing every bit of commerce and conversation with the need for quick thinking and daring do. But here I was, stuck in a rental mansion with the worst family in the Twin Cities, trying to calm down everyone after the admission that a very expensive heirloom had gone missing. It's five minutes later now, and everyone in the house, Mary and I included, are gathered in the parlor. Well, I hope you're happy. M- me? Yes, you. <laughs> Bringing that thief into our happy home, look what you've done to your mother. <laughs> mother, are you sure you looked everywhere? Yes, of course. <laughs> Behind the dresser, on the floor. Why are you looking at me like that? Do you think I'm simple? Uh... I remember distinctly putting the brooch into its box and the box into my jewelry box. And when I went back, the whole room was ransacked. Well, Michael wouldn't have done it. Well, then why did he light out of here the way he did? Looks pretty guilty if you ask me. Well, he couldn't have done it. You two are too prejudiced to notice. But he's been bending over backwards trying to impress you two. Why would he risk all that for such a stunt? Ten thousand dollars, that's why. Oh, the worth doesn't matter. That brooch is priceless and I want it found. You there, girl. It's Mary. Oh, whatever. Call the police. Call the sheriff. Call Border Patrol. Now, now wait just a moment, Bubbles. Well, we're close to Canada, aren't we? I'll have the Mounties as well. Uh, now, that's, that's enough now. As it happens, ma'am, we're well acquainted with the sheriff. I'd be happy to give him a call. That won't be necessary. What? Bubbles, be reasonable. It's New Year's Eve. Sheriff probably isn't even on duty tonight, and if we called them, we'd we'd end up with some flunky and be no better off than where we are now. Well, Roger, do something. I have a suggestion. What is it? I'll try anything. My partner and I have solved a few mysteries around town. 
The sheriff's even named her an official consultant. Partner? What partner? My partner. She's right. Sue? Why are you hiding behind that plant? Dang it, Mary. You there. What are you hiding for? Come out here. <sighs> now, what's this about you being able to help me? As I say, my partner and Wait I... a minute. Do I know you? Um, sure and I don't think you do, ma'am. Taint never had the pleasure, I do believe. You look very familiar. Thank you kindly. I'm just gonna mosey on back to the kitchen now and tend to my vittles. What the... Oh, it doesn't matter. What matters is, can you find my missing brooch? I think we can. If you'd all just agree to stay in the house, Sue and I will have a look around. No! I'm going to go find Michael. Oh, no, you're not, young lady. Actually, it would probably be better if you didn't, Charlotte. It's getting to be pretty cold out there. Below zero before long. Then Michael could be freezing to death. No, no, he's plenty warm. H how do you know? He asked us where he could find some refreshments. Ah! And we sent him to a place we know with, um, heat. Well, tell me where. I'll go to him. You're not going anywhere. Charlotte, I think your father's right. It's better for our investigation if everyone stays in the house. Fine. But the minute you're done with this ridiculous charade, I want to go to him. Fine, fine. You all stay here. I'm gonna go see what Sue's up to. What are you up to? Me? Nothing. What's up with you? Volunteering us as detectives. We are detectives. What? Well, about as close as you're gonna get in this town. What we should do is change out of these ridiculous costumes and get home while the mercury's still above zero. I don't care if we've been paid or not. Nothing is worth this aggravation. About that. Why exactly are you so aggravated? This family is a pain in the neck, if you haven't noticed. No, there's something personal going on with you. The hiding behind the plant, that offensive accent. Offensive? To who? I'm hillbilly white trash and proud of it. And you shouldn't talk like that. How would you like it if I waltzed around acting like a swell? I am not a swell. Well, you're rich. What? You do the books with me. You know exactly how much I have in the bank. You come from rich, then. Otherwise, how's that biddy in the other room know you? And don't bother to deny it. I'd rather not talk about that. Sue? Let's not have any more of this talk. Who's the boss in this relationship, anyway? Boss or no, I consider you my friend. But you're too independent. You keep everyone at an arm's length and try to keep secrets in a small town, which, trust me, does not work. It just makes folks more curious. Come on, Sue. Tell me something about your past. How horrible could it be? It's not horrible. It's worse. It's sad. There are worse things than sad. Maybe. But I don't want to be pitied. That's the one thing I won't stand for. And if I'd stayed where I was, that would have been my future. Women like Bubbles pitying me. Yeah, I left money behind and more, but it was worth it for a clean start here. So you did know her? Bubbles, I mean. <sighs> In for a penny, I guess. Sybil and I were what I suppose you'd call rivals. We went to St. Bonaventure's in Minneapolis together and never really got along. She was well-connected, had a lot of important friends. I was, well... Pretty and smart? Not that that matters now. Point was, she asked me to be in her little clique. But after one lunch with them, I found someplace else to be. You didn't do that to Bubbles. She tried to make my life miserable. 
but her plots were easy to avoid for the most part. Well, none of this sounds too terrible. Just standard girl stuff. Why were you hiding from her? Well, it all escalated senior year. There was a boy. Uh Uh-huh. Bubbles had a big crush. We were going to hold a spinster's dance that winter, and she was going to ask him. When she did, he said he was already going with me. Had you asked him? I wasn't even going to go to the dance, but he begged me. Sybil could be a little overbearing even then, and the boy wanted nothing to do with her. When we arrived together, she about blew a gasket. There was a scene, there may have been some pushing and shoving. It's possible one of us landed in the punch bowl. Wow. And that was it. We avoided each other for the rest of the year, then made sure to go to different colleges. Well, thank you for telling me this. But it doesn't help our present fix that much. Other than to know Bubbles hasn't changed. She still expects everyone to play her games and gets furious when they don't. Well then, I suppose there's nothing else to do except- Sneak out the back way? No. We go up and take a look at that room where the brooch went missing. This is a terrible idea. This is a fascinating idea. We could be on our way home right now. Home will still be there. Now, where do we start? You're looking at me? Of course. You're the one who always solves these mysteries. Where's the first clue, Sherlock? Well, from the look of this room, the big mystery is who's going to clean it up. As long as we're dressed this way, it'll be us. Okay. I guess it can't hurt to look around. But let's get one thing straight. Sheriff Bo hears nothing about this, okay? Of course not. It's the way Mr. Wolf wanted it. Yeah. He did seem interested in keeping the authorities away, didn't he? You think he did it? Tough to tell. Say, have you seen this brooch all the trouble's about? Yeah, before dinner. When I announced Charlotte's fella. What's it look like? I don't know. I didn't look at him that closely. The brooch, Mary. Oh, oh, right, the brooch. Yes. A gaudy thing, round, about two, three inches across. And if all the sparkly things on it really were diamonds, it would be worth a pretty penny. Ten thousand dollars, the dad said. Yeah. So she said she put it here on the dressing table. Here's a jewelry box. Whoa. She doesn't pack light, does she? That's a lot of sparkle. You think she'd notice if I... No, Mary. Of course not. I I was just... You know, she has so much and all. Moving on. Right, right. Nothing behind the dresser. She didn't really put anything away. The drawers are all empty. She didn't put anything away, period. Look, all her things are still in the suitcase, just sitting on the bed. Say, where's all the Mr. stuff? Bubbles is going all in on the Victorian thing. He has his own bedroom next door. Separate beds? No wonder everyone's so on edge. I don't see any sign of a brooch here, except this one box. It's a little older than the others, and there's some yellowing tissue inside. Should we dust it for fingerprints? Do you know how to do that? I figured you did. Sorry. Left my detective kit in my other corset. Let's not touch that box just in case Bo needs to dust for prints. Right. Okay. I don't think Bubbles mislaid the brooch. She cared about it too much. That leaves the question, who could have stolen it? About anyone, including us. I don't know where the keys to these doors are, so I'm assuming it was unlocked. Right. You were camped out in the kitchen doorway listening all evening, right? Hey, I did my share of the work. Don't be upset. I'm just establishing that you're our best source for where everyone was all evening. Oh, I guess yes. 
Okay. We found out about the missing brooch when Bubbles came down from her room screaming about it. What happened right before that? Uh, Michael. Charlotte's fella took off. Remember he came to the kitchen to ask us where to get a drink in town? Right. Why do that, I wonder? We have liquor here. He wanted some air. The mother had caught him and Charlotte canoodling in the parlor. Oh, yeah, I remember the yelling. Where was the dad during all this? In the library. I brought him a cup of coffee there after dinner. He was sitting in the library with his daughter necking right next door? The sliding doors between the parlor and the library were closed. Okay. Bubbles comes into the parlor, catches Charlotte and Michael rounding second base. Accurate. Big row happens. Michael's had enough, gets his top coat, talks to us about a drink, and then leaves. He's our prime suspect, but did he know about the brooch? Yes. You sound very certain. Charlotte and I had that little heart-to-heart before dinner, remember? She told me about the brooch and how she and Michael could elope if they had it. You think she and Michael were planning to steal it? Yes. Well, maybe. I know she expected to get it. Said something about her grandmother's will and how the brooch was supposed to be passed on to her on her wedding day. But then her mother told her she wouldn't get the brooch if she married Michael. There's our motive. And he had opportunity when he came up to get his topcoat. Pretty sure he was the only one upstairs at that moment. That's another thing. Who keeps their topcoat in their room? You hang it up near the door. And this house has a cloakroom. I gotta say, it doesn't look good for Charlotte and Michael. You think he made a getaway? Charlotte said he came up on the train. And there won't be another for two days. So unless he had a car or a dog sled, he's stuck in town. Unless this was all planned. They could have planted a car somewhere in town for Michael to use. You want me to go down to Madame Rose's and see if he's really there? Might not hurt. But we need to do something else first. I think this door... Yeah. A pass-through to the dad's room. Oh, connecting rooms. I guess it's not as bad as I thought. Hmm. That's strange. What? The rooms don't connect directly. There's an alcove in between. What's so weird about that? It's just I don't know why it's here. Hollow behind this wall. You know, a friend of mine had a house once. I wonder. What did you do? It's a release latch. This wall is a door, and if you press on it, it unlocks. It's a door? Yeah. A staircase! Yeah. I don't know anything about the history of this house, but a lot of the nicer places on the lake have little extra features like this. You think any of them knew about it? I doubt it. They just rented the place. We should follow it down and see where it goes. Not now. We have to finish looking around first. And don't tell anyone we found it. Roger, Sherlock. Not any neater than the missus, is he? These two need servants. You start on that side, I'll start at the desk. What am I looking for? Anything interesting. Okay. Like a telegram? Ooh, let me see. Huh. Just a bunch of numbers. Hmm. Q1, 27, minus 10%. Q2, minus 8%. Do you understand this? Not exactly. Did you suss out what business the dad's in? Owns a woolen mill, Bubbles said. Very successful. Madam made sure I knew that when I arrived. That doesn't mean much. Bubbles would have to have a successful husband, so she'd exaggerate to the purpose. These look like quarterly figures for sales or something. And they don't look good. 
and the fact that the telegram is addressed to him and has no further explanation suggests he knows what it all means. Like he asked his office to wire him the year-end numbers. So the dad's a suspect now? Everyone's a suspect, Watson. We should get back down to the kitchen. I don't think we exactly asked permission to go through everyone's rooms like this. I volunteered us, remember? Right, but Bubbles agreed in the heat of the moment. Don't expect the permission to last. Woman has the attention span of a squ- Oh, hello! Hello. We were just looking- Through my husband's things, I see. And who gave you permission to do that? Uh, you did, ma'am. That is, we assumed when Mr. Wolf didn't want to call the police, and I said we were sort of kind of detectives that- There's no need for the police. Oh? Has the brooch been returned? No, but Mr. O'Shea has. He's sitting politely downstairs in the library with Charlotte and Roger. And as for the brooch, I have a very good idea who took it. A very good idea indeed. Susan Pierce. Oh, you remembered. How nice. Only it's Conti now. I don't care what your name is. Once a thief, always a thief. Sybil, please. You will give back my brooch this second or I will march you downstairs and have my husband thrash it out of you. Now wait just a minute. You can't... Mary, it's okay. Come on. Let's all go downstairs. I think we have plenty to talk about. Are we all here? Good. Let me begin by apologizing to you, Mr. O'Shea. We certainly have our differences, none of which have been resolved, by the way, but you are not a thief. Thank you, ma'am. I know something he stole. Charlotte, please. I just meant my heart, mostly. Anyway, I have called everyone together because I now know where my brooch is, <gasps> and I implore the guilty party to give it up right now or face the consequences. What consequences? What are you on about, Bubbles? Roger, this woman stole my brooch. Who? The maid? Yes, and if she doesn't produce it this instant, I need you to thrash her for me. Uh, what? Thrash her. Give her what for. Make her give it back. If I may. No, you may not. Sit down and be quiet. If I may say something on my own behalf, please. I said sit down. Bubbles, Please, we don't even know this woman. Oh, yes, we do. I knew her in school. She's a thief. School? Sybil and I went to St. Bonaventure's together. Well, that was 20 years ago. <gasps> oh, dare you! And what exactly did she steal? She took... That's not important. I went to a dance with a boy she had a crush on. Oh, really? I seem to recall from our courtship that I was your one and only. Oh, please, Roger. Back to the business at hand, Sybil. Bubbles. I did not take your brooch. But I think I know who did. I'd rather have the thrashing. I'll tell you what. If I can't produce the brooch, then I'll agree to go into a room with Charlotte, Mary, and yourself, and strip down to prove I don't have it. Hey, I didn't know Vaudeville came out this far. Michael! Do you agree? Fine. All right. To begin with, Mary? Yes? I need your help. Could you go to that bookcase over there and see if you could find a copy of Alibaba and the Forty Thieves? You mean the storybook? What for? Just humor me. Oh, and be sure to pull out each book in turn. It might have slipped down behind somewhere. Um, okay. Now, Bubbles, you wore the brooch to dinner, correct? You know I did. Why did you decide to take it off after? 
Well, it's very valuable. And Charlotte wouldn't quit staring at it all through dinner with a sour look on her face. Yes, because of your little announcement? How do you know about that? Talk to Big Ears over here. Hey! Anyway, after dinner, you went upstairs, took off the brooch and put it away. That's right. In my jewelry case. And then what did you do? Came downstairs and caught the two of them in the parlor. Oh, mother. And then you argued with Michael about it, right? I expressed my feelings about their inappropriate behavior, yes. And Michael, that's when you decided to take a walk. So you went upstairs and got your coat. That's right. About that. Why was your coat upstairs in your bedroom and not down in the cloakroom with the others? Well, I got soaked walking in from the station. When I got here, Charlotte took me upstairs right away. She said I could take one of the spare rooms. There's a radiator in there, so I laid the coat over it to dry. Okay. Any luck, Mary? Not yet. Alibaba, was it? That's right. Be sure to move every book. I don't understand your obsession with that book. My interest is more in the bookcase. The stories you're all telling don't entirely add up, and the house has everything to do with it. What on earth are you talking about? Take this parlor-slash-library arrangement, for instance. Two rooms separated by sliding wooden doors. They're closed now. So? Who closed them? Weren't they always closed? Mary? Uh, no. When I announced Michael's arrival, they were all in the parlor. We came through the library and the doors were wide open then. Well, then O'Shea must have closed them when he did what he did to my daughter. How do you know your daughter didn't close them? Because I raised you better than that. Not that much better. So, Roger, you came into this room shortly after dinner and took coffee here. Not long after that, Charlotte and Michael snuck into the parlor for a little hot necking. These doors... They're not that thick. And they don't join perfectly in the center. Are you telling me that you didn't do anything? Do anything? What do you mean? I see a coffee cup on the table, and your cigar ash in the ashtray. But no books or magazines or anything to distract you. That means you sat here with your daughter and her boyfriend, whom you don't approve of, a scant twenty feet away through a thin set of doors making whoopee. What are you implying? Why didn't you stop them? Why didn't you march in and challenge Michael to a duel or something in defense of your daughter's virtue? Not much to defend, that's why. No, he didn't interfere with your little tryst because he was the one who closed the doors. He was the one who made sure he was alone in the library. He knew after dinner that everyone was going to go to their separate corners, so he made sure the library was his. What on earth for? How's the book search going, Mary? Found it. Can I have it, please? Uh, no, not really. It's kind of stuck. Just as I thought. Try again, only give it a good tug. Don't treat it like a book. Treat it like a lever. <gasps> a hidden door. I get it now. The staircase is back there, isn't it? Yep. Headed up to the alcove between the two master bedrooms. Don't understand. Your father was in the library, knowing your mother was upstairs putting away the brooch. When he heard her coming downstairs, he slipped up the hidden staircase to your mother's room, found the brooch, ransacked the room for appearances, then slipped back down to the library. You mean he was going to try to pin it on Michael? Or Mary, or me. I don't think it mattered to him. He was the one that found this house. Even took a separate trip to the border to inspect different places until he found one with a little something extra. A hidden staircase that inspired his plot. But why? Bubbles, how much of your jewelry is insured? A few pieces. 
But your mother's brooch is the most expensive one, right? Ten thousand dollars, wasn't it? A figure that Roger had right on the tip of his tongue when it came up? Plus, it's a collection of diamonds that could be easily removed from the setting and fenced individually. If he was smart about it, he could have cleared a pretty penny separate from the insurance. Maybe even enough to save a failing woolen mill. D you... That's ridiculous. Then you want to explain what the numbers on this telegram mean? What telegram? The one that was in the waste paper basket in your room? The one that seems to indicate business losses dating back a whole year? Oh, fine. Take the damn thing. Roger! You had the brooch all along. Oh, shut up, Sybil. <gasps> you and your parties and your perfect holidays and your dresses. Do you have any idea what this New Year's is costing us? Of course you don't. You don't care. How could you? It's a priceless family heirloom. Oh, nonsense. Your dad gave it to your mom when he won it at a poker game. Roger! Really? Daddy? That's the bee's knees. I really want that brooch now. The, now you just wait one moment. I don't understand why both Come of on, Mary. I think our work is done here. You don't want to stick around and see how it comes out? No. I've seen this story too many times. And I had, too. Mary might have found the lives of the super rich super interesting, but for me, it was a movie I'd seen too many times, and I don't need to cry at the ending again. Having money solves a lot of problems. Unfortunately, it creates new problems to take their place. And at this stage of my life, I find that very sad. Mary and I changed out of our costumes, got our coats, and slinked away into the night. I had Beau check the house on New Year's Day just in case the wolves had murdered each other, and he reported back that the place was empty. I don't know what happened to the wolf family. I don't know if Charlotte ever got the brooch, and I don't know if Roger's business sank or not. With everything that happened after Black Tuesday, it seemed unlikely to survive. You had to be a good businessman to keep your head above water in those days. And Roger didn't look the type. But there is one little coda to the whole story. That spring, Mary and I were unpacking a shipment of dishes we'd ordered from Minneapolis when Mary spotted an item on the newspaper the dishes were packed in. Miss Charlotte Wolfe and Mr. Michael O'Shea were married in a quiet, subdued ceremony at a little chapel in St. Peter. There was a picture of the happy couple, and the only jewelry visible on the obviously glowing and smiling bride was a brand new wedding ring. This has been Rum Runner Sue, a diamond in the roughing it. An original podcast fiction mystery from the Icebox Radio Theater. Our play starred Billy Joe Cones as Sue, Trelawney Irwin was Mary, Tanya Milosevic was Charlotte, Justin Kapla played Michael, Jeffrey Adams was Roger, and Ayla McIntosh played Bubbles. Tonight's script written by Jeffrey Adams. Jeffrey also did the editing sound effects and music for this episode, created with loops from Loopmasters. Some sound effects from the Freesound Project at freesound.org. The Rum Runner Sue logo designed by Allie McQueen. You can see more of Allie's work at Instagram at taller underscore McQueen. And you can learn more about Billy Joe Cones at billyjoecones.com. 
This program, copyright 2021 by the Icebox Radio Theater, which is solely responsible for its content. Partial funding made possible in part by the voters of Minnesota through a grant from the Minnesota State Arts Board, thanks to a legislative appropriation from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund, and through donations from our wonderful patrons and listeners. More information at iceboxradio.org. Gee.